Welcome to That Fangirl Life, the online platform that champions female fans. I'm your host and founder, Laurel. And on this week's episode, we're talking all about BTS and being an army with Bethany and Kayla, the hosts of Stunning BTS podcast. Listeners, we discuss how BTS's passion for social issues has filtered through to ARMY, Kayla and Bethany's thoughts on how the fandom will cope if BTS have to go on hiatus for military service, as well as their reasons behind starting their podcast, Stunning BTS. Hi everybody, it is Laurel. We are back for another episode of That Fangirl Life. This week we are talking all things BTS with Kayla and Bethany from the podcast Stanning BTS. Hello to you both. Oh, hello. hello. Do you guys want to introduce yourself and tell us who you are really away from being fans of BTS first of all? My name is Bethany. Um, I'm 26, about to be 27. But outside of a podcast, I'm an occupational therapist, and I'm living in Kansas City, Missouri. I'm Kayla. I am also 26, and outside of doing the podcast, I am a high school Spanish teacher. Um, I've been doing that for about four years, and it's a really great passion of mine, but I love talking about BTS, so which is why we do the podcast. For the beginning of every episode, I start with the same question, and um, that is, what does the word fangirl mean to you? So... I feel like there's a negative connotation to the term fangirl, but I feel like that has been changing with time. Uh, I really just see it as a passionate female fan who um, is pretty loyal to a group. And I think that's, that's about it. I, you know, I really feel like that negative ideation of a fangirl is slowly starting to dissolve away. And the work that we do as fangirls is starting to change the connotation of that word because we don't think that there's a negative thing about being a fangirl at all. Um, Like Bethany said, it's loving and supporting a group. Um, And so as much as we can represent for fangirls, we try to do that because we're proud to be fangirls. Like I said at the beginning, we're here to talk about BTS and obviously Probably, first of all, we need to know, how did you come across the world of K-pop being obviously from America? Well, Well, I was introduced to BTS by Bethany. So all of my knowledge came from her initially. So I want her to tell us how she first came across uh, K-pop and BTS. Yeah, so I was living with my sister at the time and she's a music therapist at a hospital. And one of her patients was really into K-pop. And so she came home and she's like, well, I got to learn these K-pop songs for my patient because they really enjoy it. And I was like, hmm, I feel like I've heard of a group called BTS before. Like I had a friend who like posts about them on Facebook. So I was like, maybe you should look into them. And so my sister and I watched the dope music video for BTS. And I have not turned back since. I really did not anticipate all you know the visuals and the music I was really captivated I of course was like I want to know who's who I want to learn the members names and then it all (laughs) spiraled not spiraled but you know it just really opened the world of k-pop to me and then of course I fell in love and I had to share with Kayla yeah so so when she shared shared dope Dope with me was actually the first bts video that I saw she shared that with me and um 
I was just hooked instantly. I could not believe that this type of performance happened at this caliber. Um, I just remember being starstruck with how in sync they were, how perfect they all sounded, and I just had to know more. Okay, this is a question. Obviously, if you listen to some of the other episodes, I'm a big like One Direction Harry Styles fan. So I want to know, as obviously I've heard like some BTS songs, but I want to know what made BTS different from other bands like One Direction, NSYNC, Backstreet Boys. I know they're a bit bit more older than One Direction and not really around at the same time, but what made them different that you were like, yes, I'd rather be a fan of theirs than One Direction? I would say it's not that I wasn't a fan of One Direction or like Harry Styles. Like, I think he's phenomenal, but I was never hooked to their group in the way that I was with BTS. And for me, the big thing is, that I feel like I am able to have a connection with BTS because of all of the content that they put out. Um, They really let us see not only like behind the scenes of creation of their music and their albums, but also just them as friends. And we can see that they are genuine people, like their music that they create is, you know, a genuine message from them as individuals. Um, it's music that they want to write and produce and that they're able to do so in such a fantastic way. Um, so I think it's, it boils down to being genuine and being like humble. Um, and everyone who's worked with BTS, you know, whether it's a, a collaboration or writing a song for them or whatever, they always talk about how these are such humble, genuine, real humans. And for me as a fan, I love to support somebody like that. Uh, going off what you were saying, Kayla, um, they've been doing vlogs, like video logging since their debut, since before they debuted. And so they've shared a lot of the behind the scenes and the hard work that they've put in and the dedication that they have to creating music and putting on the best performances that they can and like the hours they spend uh, working on choreography. So you kind of feel like you're going along with the journey, you know, that you're there with them. And then you really just feel connected and wanting to support them in the best way that you can. Um, So it's, you know, I think there's this journey component of where they came from. And then through all these like videos and content that they put out, you really just start to connect with them as people and you just see a lot of their individual character. But I think how they stand out from different, you know, other bands Hmm. is, I guess NSYNC and Backstreet Boys had choreography too, but like not to the extent that, you know, BTS has. I think that component of BTS and K-pop in general is the the performance element too. But I really think that their story and who they are as people, it really is what has made me think that they're different from some other groups. What we're going to do now is we're going to talk a little bit about the podcast, first of all, and find out a bit more about the origins of that. But really, the first thing that kind of need to know about talking about the podcast is how did you both meet? So we met in our freshman year of college back in 2013, which is coincidentally a few months after BTS themselves debuted. Um, We were not fans of BTS for most of our college experience. We didn't know about them until the very late um, part of our senior year of our undergrad. Um, but we met in college. We became really good friends throughout college and all of our experiences. Um, and just being able to be friends along with BTS has definitely deepened our friendship over the years. 
I'm really, I mean, she pretty much summed it up. That's how we met. We've been friends for a long time. We've been friends for eight years now. Yeah. Which is crazy. I think it's really fun that we ended up becoming friends the same year that BTS debuted. Yeah. That's like, I hate, I hate the term, but like friendship goals. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what made you decide, do you know what? I'm going to start, we're going to start a podcast about BTS. Yeah. So I love this story. Um, we were just starting to get into BTS. We loved everything about them. We loved hanging out together and just talking about them and fangirling together and like going through all their content and just, you know, really enjoying all their music videos and whatnot that I ended up doing, I, well, I guess I was moving to St. Louis. We both are in Kansas city, but I was going to start doing my um, field work or my clinicals. And so we were no longer going to be together. And then I also went on to do travel therapy where I ended up traveling all over the country. And we're like, well, how are we going to keep hanging out and talking about BTS and, you know, sharing our love for them? Well, we were sitting down and we're like, we both love podcasts. Why don't we make a BTS podcast? Is that, you know, has anyone done that? Maybe we should do it. It would be really fun. And then we both latched onto the idea and we're like, absolutely, we're going to do this. And then that's really how the podcast came about. Yeah, we started it in her parents' basement, um, I think over like a winter break. And we were both totally unprepared for what the world of podcasting truly entailed and needed um, to make a good podcast. So it's really been a huge but really fun learning curve along the way. Um, and yeah, I just love that we, we literally started in your parents' basement. I think it's really, really cute. That that's how we got our start. Following on from what you just said about learning curves from it, what do you think has been like the biggest learning curve alongside like doing the podcast? I will say that I still don't think that we're that incredible on our social media game. Like we run an Instagram and a Twitter and we have a Facebook page, but we don't do much with it. Like as far as bringing listeners over with social media is not our strong suit, but I would say that our biggest learning curve has been just the producing aspect of a podcast. Like we literally knew nothing about it. So learning how to edit was major and dealing with like different troubleshooting with editing issues um, was huge. The actual production that goes behind a podcast. Um, but we ended up ultimately really enjoying that aspect of the podcast too, as much as creating a podcast can be difficult when we edit and when we have to do all of that. Um, we got pretty good at it and uh, we we're proud of our growth in that regard. I would say the producing side of it, you know, actually going in and editing. Um, but for me, I think one of the biggest learning curves was, I think, just being more aware of what I'm saying, and just really being mindful of everyone listening. Uh, that was a learning curve for me to make sure that, you know, I'm being wise with my words and being thoughtful and considerate with my words. That has been I feel like I've become more like socially aware. I don't know. That might be also just being an army thing, but um, I've learned a lot from the podcast. And honestly, I think it's really deepened our friendship too. It's taught me a lot about friendship and collaborating and, you know, being co-creators together. Do you find it hard to keep up with what's going on and make sure that you're getting episodes out on time, especially like if they're busy doing lots of stuff? Because I feel like, 
Well, since they've become more prevalent within like mainstream, I feel like they don't stop. It, it is hard at times to keep up with them. And um, we did get into a good routine of our scheduling and posting um, episodes of being biweekly. Um, sometimes we have to do a spot episode, which is an episode that's like a catch-all. BTS have been doing so much. Here's all of the news that has been happening in the past like two, three weeks. Um, but really what has helped us is just trying to be on top of it. And when one person is feeling like we can't or we have too much on our plate, the other person can step up and really help each other out. So this partnership has been really wonderful, being able to support each other in keeping up with BTS and trying to keep the podcast up with BTS. It is really hard to keep up. BTS are constantly putting out content. There's always um, stuff happening in the ARMY community. And so thank goodness for Stan Twitter. I'm pretty much constantly on Stan Twitter to just make sure that I'm not missing anything. Uh, and so, you know, we just try to stay as organized as we can. Uh, we have to prioritize topics because there's just so much to talk about. Uh, we have listeners who write into us and I'm like, well, why don't you cover the bon voyages? Why don't you cover um, the run episodes? And we're like, there's just so much. We really can't talk about it all, which is so funny because every time we mention we have a BTS podcast, our friends and family are like, how do you talk about BTS? Like, for a podcast, like how do you keep coming up with topic ideas and episodes? And we're like, we used to be weekly and we decided to go bi-weekly. And even then we still sometimes put out weekly episodes because it's just stuff happening. And so it can be hard to keep up with it, but we lean on each other. Uh, social media really helps out with making sure that we're in the know, but yeah, there's a lot that comes out. <laughs> it's uh, difficult as well. Like you guys said, you've both got like, I, like, I always call them like big girl jobs as well. <laughs> um, how do you find like juggling it as such? Obviously you've got each other and doing a bi-weekly. Have you got, are you like notes on your phone as soon as something happens being like, right, put that in so we can remember to maybe talk about that? Yeah, sometimes we just start, like we pretty much run our episodes on Google Docs. So sometimes if we know we have to talk about something on our next episode, we'll just start a Google Doc immediately. Um, but if something casually comes up we'll text each other hey I think we should talk about this next week or we need to keep this in mind um but definitely the only reason we're able to be successful is being consistent and just sticking to our schedule we have our our time set aside for when we can research and prepare an episode we have specific time for when we record and luckily this year we got signed to a network so being on a network has also really helped um consequence edits our episodes for us now so that is a huge time saver yeah we're so grateful we're so so grateful um yeah it hasn't been you know smooth sailing this whole time uh, we really had to work with each other and each other's schedules because Kayla you're a teacher my goodness you are busy constantly I have a little bit more flexible of a schedule but we do have full-time jobs so uh, and, you know, I used to travel for work across the country. So we really had to be mindful of each other's schedules. But we have set days, set times where we research, put the episode together, where we record. We used to have to edit. But um, thankfully, that has taken a lot of the workload off of us because of our network. We're just very blessed that that has happened. Um, but really just 
communication and setting, making time for it. I mean, we both really care about it. I think anyone who makes a podcast is very passionate about it. And so I think that, you know, passion really pulls us forward to find the time to, to do it in our already busy schedules. Yeah. Yeah, And I think the flexibility also, like when we do have schedule conflicts, because the most of our podcast research happens on the weekends, but sometimes we have a wedding to go to or a family event or a trip or something. So we both just try to be flexible and work around each other's schedules as much as possible. We're going to do a little quick fire round. I always say quick fire and then it ends up being, let me give you a whole 20 minute reasoning behind my answer for this from people. And I will start with the first one. And the first one is your favorite BTS member. So I have two, I really can't pick, but my all time who has been my bias for a long time is Taeyang, which is V. Um, But recently I'm just in love with J-Hope and I just, I'm just in love with both of them. So I'm going to say Taeyang and Jung Ho Sok. My favorite BTS member is Namjoon, although for a long time, my favorite was Jimin. So they both remain my favorites. Your favorite song? This question is nearly impossible, but I'm going to go ahead and say Black Swan. I love that song. Um, The first thing that came to mind was Autumn Leaves. So I'm just going to go with that one. But yeah, I agree with Bethany. This is an impossible question to answer. (laughs) I always feel mean when I ask this one. Worst song? It doesn't exist. I'm just (laughs) going to say that uh, there's not a bad song. Every song is liked by an army. I just think that they produce such high quality of music that there's not a worse song. Oh, wait, there is one, but... What do you mean? Why are you calling on me? Um, I thought you were going to say Louder Than Bombs. You kind of skipped that song, but you don't hate it or dislike it. Um, It's just one that you tend to skip. I sometimes skip that song. Uh, The song that a lot of armies really, really love, and I feel like sacrilege for not really... Like, I skip it a fair amount, is Butterfly. Like, that's like a sin in the army community, but Butterfly... I can't even say it's a bad song. I love that song. I just like maybe and burn out on it. Maybe that's a yeah. better way to put it. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to revise my answer. I would skip louder to bom- louder than bombs, which is sad because a lot of people really like that song. And every time I say it, they're like, how? But I think, I don't know. I just, it's not my fave. What is their best album? Their best album right now is Map of the Soul 7 for many reasons, but this is speed round. <laughs> I'm going to say B or love yourself tier. It's it's a toss up. I can't pick. I am going to ask what do you think might be the least best album, like best album? I won't say worst, I'll say least. Um, This is really a hot take for me personally, because this was the album that we became fans with, um, was Love Yourself Her. That was the first album that BTS came out with after we started standing them. And it's not a bad album by any means, but it would probably be my least favorite only because of the there's fewer songs on it there's not as many like incredible all-time these are army's favorite songs um I still think it's a great great album but I mean probably the one that I would listen to the least I can't pick I'm not gonna pick I'm so sorry (laughs) I just love all of all I even I'm like take back butterfly like I already feel terrible about it because I do love that song (laughs) Um, what do you think their best collaboration has been so far? Um, their best collaboration for me so far is their newest collaboration with um, Coldplay. My Universe is a Coldplay song, but BTS collabed on it. And I just think it is a perfect collaboration. It sounds 
so much like Coldplay, but so much like BTS at the same time. And I love it. I'm going to have to go with Coldplay too, just because it really was their most recent, but they're one with uh, Megan Thee Stallion for Butter was also a really great collaboration, but it was different with Coldplay. Coldplay, like Chris Martin actually went to Korea and he um, quarantined so that he could be there and actually work with them in person. And that's vastly different from a lot of the other collaborations they've done, um, but it's one of the best. I also think with that one, it's very like left field, like you wouldn't ever like picture those two like bands coming together so which is obviously makes it more fun um and especially like to introduce them to a more wider range of like fans yeah I feel like um BTS and Coldplay fans like that Venn diagram doesn't overlap very much but actually Coldplay's music and message and BTS's music and message really align um and like their purpose with their music really aligns so when they actually got together and started working working together, it became such a natural collaboration. The last one is, what do you think their best video is? Okay, so this is not specifically a music video, but it is a music video for a song that they put out. I think right now, the best thing that could be classified as a music video would be their On Come Prima manifesto film. Um, they had a separate music video for the song, but this specific manifesto film is a really cool video that they filmed in LA and it's just like a dance video to the song. And On is such a powerful song and their the choreography that they get to show off in the video was also really powerful. Um, and I think it's a great display of who they are and what they can do. So I would say that one. I'm going to go ahead and say Blood, Sweat and Tears because the aesthetics of that music video, the choreography, uh, the individual shots we get of each of the members, like it just is really a standout music video where everything is just gorgeous and beautiful and vibrant and just very aesthetic. What do you think of how the music industry in South Korea and Asia um, create? these groups with like the like boot camps as such what is your personal opinions in regards to that yeah so these groups they do have these trainee days this trainee life and they recruit them fairly young and we don't really agree with that especially with how young they are um but we kind of look through it through the lens of you know, this doesn't just happen in Korea and this doesn't just happen with the music industry. You know, I think young kids get recruited for sports and start training at very young ages um, with the motive of them going and playing professionally. And so I think that, yeah, in South Korea to create these K-pop groups, they do have these trainee days and it can be, you know, just not the best you know the way that they treat them but I feel like that might be starting to change with companies trying to treat their trainees better um, but yeah I mean that's the gist of it yeah we could relate it to um, here in you know in the west like Disney stars you know they are child actors and it's a really common thing to have child actors in the U.S. And then they grow up in the industry and they're kind of raised in the industry. 
So for us, it's the same kind of idea. Um, it seems foreign to us because it is foreign to us and it's not something that we're, it's not a world that we're a part of. And although like, especially me as a teacher, it's hard for me to think about kids giving up so much time of their youth um, in order to train and prepare to have the potential of being in a K-pop group. Um, I do think that it happens all across the world in multiple different industries. Um, so it's not something that's only happening within K-pop. Um, another question is like, why is this like, why does this happen with K-pop or why does K-pop create groups? And there's actually like a ministry of K-pop connected with the South Korean government. So they want to create groups that can produce Korean music as a way of spreading Korean culture throughout the world. Um, so that's why they want to get youth involved in it. So that way they can get youth interested in it at the same time. Like I've never thought of it that way, which is weird because I grew up doing like musical theater and acting. I would go like literally straight from school to like stage school. I was like rubbish in school because all my time was spent doing dance training, singing training and stuff. And like, now that you've put it like that, I'm like, it's just like, you don't, you disassociate your brain because you're just told that they're churning them out all the time and stuff like a factory almost. But then obviously that's kind of like similar as like going to stage school. Yeah, I think that's a common misconception is that like all of K-pop is just produced in a factory and it's just so automated and nothing is, is real. And although I think that's how some groups in the past started with companies just trying to piece people together I think that's a lot less common nowadays and for companies to retain trainees that actually train with their company they have to treat them well and there is more of a standard of how you're going to treat the kids coming into your company and even how you're going to treat um, actual signed idols to your brand as well um, so it is changing and it is getting better yeah I think it's changing um, but it definitely has a bad rap, especially like in pre, you know, previous years where these trainees are not only really young, but they're spending hours upon hours. And like they right after school, they go straight there and then they are dancing and working on choreography and training until, you know, late hours of the night. Um, you know, there's like diet restrictions, there's CCTVs and, you know, it can be really strict. And that's how a lot of the contracts were made. And I feel like that is starting to change. When we spoke about K-pop in general, we got asked about um, if people believe that they are debuting um, too young um, because of obviously issues on like mental health and sexualization, especially like with bands like I'm just going off this is me from my like Blackpink, especially as they are quite young. So this is a dense topic to talk about. Um, I mean, I would say debuting too young taking away youth or childhood like we know jungkook of bts um was training when he was in middle school with bts and so that makes us sad and makes us feel bad and question from like a moral standpoint is it okay for them to debut that young um at the same time we also have to think about someone who enters into trainee life wants it they know before they even try to um, audition for it before they sign any contracts they know what is going to happen and although i mean they are kids making these decisions but they're making these decisions alongside their parents at the same time um 
we don't like the sexualization of groups when they are so young. In fact, um, it's hard for us to like, we really don't fangirl over young BTS and their content from when they were a lot younger because we don't find them attractive. You know, they are, they're very young when they're early, they're little babies, you know, they're cute, but they're not, we're not fangirling over them. Um, so, but as far as like sexualization, viewers are sexualizing them if they're watching them the sexualization doesn't necessarily come from at least from bts's standpoint we can't speak on all groups um it's not coming from like the company or bts themselves necessarily sexualizing themselves if you're a viewer and you're looking at a 16 year old boy or a girl and you find them attractive then that's you sexualizing them and that's a that's a big you problem that you have to figure out leading on kind of from that is um dating bands they were a big thing like I would well from what I've heard from like I'm going by my mum like I'm talking like back in the like 70s and 80s for like boy bands um obviously they have them with a few k-pop bands I believe from when I've been doing my research um I personally think like they're not good they're dated am I allowed to believe that you would probably agree the same thing obviously being western um, as well and why do you think they do it well they definitely do it because in the k-pop industry I will say these idols are seen as like perfect and they try to keep this like squeaky clean image um, and then also that since they are idols uh, I think because of the fans they you know the way that they talk to us on like v live or on social media you know I just feel that there would be conflict if they were dating you know that some people might not like it which is I think weird um because we want BTS to have love and find love you know everyone deserves that so we think it's dated uh BTS I'm pretty sure when they started when they debuted in their original contract they most likely had a dating ban but they recently got a new contract with their company that they signed on with I think for another seven years and we're almost certain that that clause of that contract is taken out Um, we think that BTS is most likely able to date um, obviously in private but like we think it's dated and we really hope that that starts to fade away with time but really I think it originates from just you know your idols are single your idols are um, available or accessible and also to keep this like clean image where there's no scandal involved. Another thing like obviously that we have to touch on is mandatory military. How do you think the fandom is going to cope when they have to go on a break because of them having to do military? Yeah so Right now, we aren't even sure when BTS's military service would happen or if it's still going to happen. Last year, the South Korean government did update the law um, allowing for people to be excused from military service. Previously, that was only set aside for like athletes and classical musicians. Um, However, they did put a clause in there for other musicians like such as K-pop idols. Um, So we don't know when they will go into the military. Um, The eldest member, Jin, um, is of the age, the latest age that he would need to absolutely join. And we've always talked about that if one of them joined, they would all join at the same time. So that way they could start and end their service at the same time. 
but they haven't been real forthright on what their plans are. And we question as fans, do they have to serve? Have they been set aside and they're one of those acts that don't have to serve in the military? Um, we've talked about the ways that they're serving their country in other ways. Um, they have represented the South Korean government at the UN three times now, and they've recently been promoted to diplomatic ambassadors to the UN. Um, they have like diplomatic passports, diplomatic rights. So, um, you know, we would say they're serving their country as diplomats right now. Um, so we're not sure if they will be joining the military for certain. Um, but how will we cope if they do, when they do? I think we will get along just fine. ARMY is so strong and we love BTS so much that 18 months of, you know, no, no new music is not going to lessen the amount that we love and care about them and the amount that we listen to their music. Yeah, I was telling Kayla that I'm almost certain that when they go and serve for the military that ARMY will somehow organize our own like virtual concert where we rewatch like ARMY, I mean, rewatch BTS concerts. I think ARMY is going to stay really active. We're such a loyal fan base that I think we're going to get by. We'll be totally fine. Um, yeah, it is really up in the air and it's very blurred about what's going to happen. We haven't really talked on it too much just because you know, we aren't from Korea. We really don't understand the cultural and pride component of serving your country. Uh, Jin, the eldest member, has said he's ready when they want him. He's ready. There has been you know, rumors of them all going in and serving at the same time and so that they can all just have it done. Um, but then, you know, you have them as these ambassadors for their their city of Seoul. I mean, they have performances all around the city of Seoul at like these really iconic locations. And it really, they're just promoting the country. They're really promoting like, yeah, I think I forgot all the statistics, but there's a crazy amount of people who visit South Korea just because of BTS. Yeah. So they have a lot of different ways that they give back to their country. They're really a core component of like this Hayu wave, this Korean wave that is happening um, all across the world. So it's, it's ultimately going to be up to the Korean government. And, but we just know that BTS is ready to serve when it's their time. And they'll let us know when that time comes. I see online sometimes, obviously, that there's lots of like fan retweets and stuff like that in regards to social issues going on that army fan base help out with and stuff like that. Um, what do you think made that kind of happen? Because it's very different from how other fandoms work in a way. Well, BTS themselves, I think, have been role models for that. They do a lot of charity work. Um, they're, you know, they have done like their Love Yourself campaign with UNICEF. They've always been about helping others and donating. And because of their charity work, it's just inspired armies to also do a lot of charity work and bring awareness to a lot of social issues. And since so many armies are on, especially Twitter, but just on social media, raising awareness and spreading it within the fandom, um, it's, you know, it just seems like we're all inspired by them and by each other to do these charity works. I think it was the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, BTS, I forgot how much they donated. I think it was a million dollars. And BTS Army matched that. 
like they ended up collecting a million dollars in donations together to match BTS's donation. So I, it's really just they're inspiring and they inspire us and other armies inspire each other. So like in our podcast, every month we have like a charity that we donate to um, because it's just really important to BTS and therefore it's, it's important to armies. And it's just an additional way that we as ARMY can support BTS. We see all of these different social issues that they are proponents of improving through their lyrics and their music that they've talked about, through the various campaigns that they support. And so it's really ingrained in their music and their message. And so as an ARMY, what's another way that we can support them is through supporting the same types of things that they find valuable and that they want to work on and improve. And, you know, it's just really wonderful that a lot of those issues are great social issues to work towards. I think as well, it's great, especially like if you're in your like teens or early 20s, and it's a great way to still have like the fun part of like the music and being within a fandom but finding out more about what's going on in the world that you probably wouldn't have known if you'd have just been like stuck like blinkered on your like a stand twitter as such my favorite thing that I found out when doing like research and stuff is in regards to the Trump rally when they brought out all the tickets I was like that is like great what like work in regards to less we've got this issue we're gonna go this way about it and I was just like this is like great whoever come came up with that they need a top flying job in marketing somewhere yeah that was brilliant when ARMY did that um we also I mean I'm just thinking recently when BTS spoke at the UN um the the speech that BTS did about the sustainability goals of the UN and of South Korea um, had like 6.5 million views or something, whereas the other global leaders' speeches had like maybe 200,000, 500,000. So it's really BTS have used their platform in order to fight for important social um, issues. And ARMY, just being so supportive, we totally follow suit. Yeah, and just going off of that, B, there's also like, organizations within the army fandom like I think of one in an army where they are strictly for like finding charity work and they spread awareness to other armies too I mean it's just it's great work that BTS are doing that really just inspires all of us to do it as well. Do you find it difficult being a western fan because obviously they're not as they're still accessible but not as easily accessible to say to go see them on tour and stuff like that? It can be challenging being a Western fan. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges is, especially here in the States, the idea of being a fan of a K-pop group is just like really off the wall to some people. They're like, oh, they're Korean. How do you, how do you enjoy their music? If it's in Korean, how do you, you know? And so that's a barrier that we come across, but we also have a lot of benefits of being Western fans, especially here in the States. Like they, do full-on tours here. Uh, we have a lot of opportunity to see them, whereas in some other countries, they don't have that opportunity. But um, I'd say the biggest barrier is just the lack of, you know, the people around us, like a lot of friends and family, you can start to feel alone to a degree in standing BTS or enjoying their music because you know, they're just like, oh, it's a boy band. And it's not just a boy band, it's a Korean boy band. And so that can be, you know, a challenge. Yeah, being a confident fangirl 
um, has definitely taken time. And it's hard as a Western fan to be confident in supporting and loving BTS in all aspects because of the not necessarily the hate, but the the confusion and the backlash that we can get from even our closest friends and family who just don't get it. Um, and like Bethany said, we are incredibly fortunate that BTS does whole tours here. Um, I know that there's a lot of like European countries or South American countries that don't get BTS or get BTS once every five years or something. Um, so we are fortunate just being a Western fan in the States um, the only other thing that I would say is difficult sometimes is the time difference um, when they do like a live stream concert like they've been doing over during COVID and, um, you know, like waking up at 3 a.m., 4 a.m. to watch uh, a concert. Of course, we'll do it a little bit sleep deprived, um, but that's that's another big, big thing that's been difficult at times. I can hard relate to that at the moment, me watching, waking up at like 2 a.m. to watch a live stream of from someone watching a Harry Styles concert. This was a question that was sent in. Obviously the Grammys happened like a while ago now, but do you think um, BTS was snubbed at the Grammys? Because Dynamite did break like records. And do you think that kind of then leads to like racism and doubt shattered upon them within the industry? So we both believe that BTS were snubbed at the Grammys in regards to Dynamite because Dynamite was record-breaking and it definitely deserved some recognition at the Grammys. Um, but the, the issue with the Grammys, and I think this does lead into your question about racism within the industry, um, it doesn't just stop with BTS. There's tons of other artists who are snubbed or who are put into brand new categories like urban categories or something like that. So that way they won't be in the classic categories and they're separated. So that way the, um, the white male vote, I suppose, would be more represented in the classic categories. Um, and the Grammys have spoken, given us a lot of BS about how they are diversifying and they're going to end the behind the closed doors committees and all of that. But this most um, recent airing of the Grammys this year really showed that that's really not happening. Yeah, I still think that there's a lot of red tape and a lot of um, bargaining that goes on behind closed doors. Uh, I know that Nam June or RM, the leader of BTS's group, I know that he has said like, you know, we don't know why we are not qualifying in the way that we should, you know, if the Grammys, if there's something else we need from us, let us know. Like that's pretty much what he said. Um, so we do think that they were snubbed. We think a lot of artists are snubbed. Uh, the Academy just, I think, has a rigged system. And especially for like groups that are K-pop groups or, for, or from other countries get put into these like smaller categories so that they don't get to compete fairly or be a part of the other categories where they really deserve to be. It's hard for them to get properly awarded at the Grammys when they're not in the room where it happens. They're not, you know, provided a seat at the table, even though they are breaking records in the industry and surmassing a fan base that has never been seen before um, because they're not shaking hands behind closed doors and sending gift baskets and special notes and cards and like playing the game of the Grammys. Um, their, their awards are not being seen. Someone also asked, if someone wants to know, um, delve more into the world of BTS, basically, what songs 
and videos would you recommend for them to check out first? Um, in terms of music videos, I think Dope is a really good introduction to BTS. It's one of their older songs, um, but the music video and just how everything is laid out and the song itself is super catchy, it's infectious. I think that's a great introduction to BTS. But then I think getting into their English discography too, songs like Dynamite, Permission to Dance, um, all really great songs to, to listen to, to dive more into them. One performance that I would always direct people to is um, their first live performance of Black Swan on the James Corden show. And we all have mixed feelings about James Corden, okay? We're not huge fans of him as a person, but that performance on his show was phenomenal. And I can't imagine anyone would see that and not be at least interested in BTS. Um, also, you guys could listen to our podcast. Um, it's a great place to start for a lot of new armies tell us that, hey, I found this podcast and you guys have educated me so much on who BTS are. We have really great episodes on album reviews where if, you know, if Korean language music seems like a far stretch for you, we break down every single aspect of each song on an album. Um, and we're really proud of those episodes. People who are new to the fandom can get a lot of good info from you know, some of our episodes as well. What do you want to see in the future of BTS? What would you like to see next for them? Well, I'm just thinking like long-term, way down the road. I would love to see, you know, some solo work from all of them. They all release, well, they don't all release, but like the rap line in particular, they release uh, mixtapes and music on their own. But I think wherever they end up, they're just so talented in so many different ways. Like, I'm just curious to see where they go. I have um, really high hopes that they are going to continue to do a lot of fantastic, uh, a lot of fantastic things. I mean, they're all, they have a lot of different interests, but, you know, in terms of producing or even fashion, like I just see them doing um, wonderful, wonderful art in the future. So, I mean, as long as I just, yeah, I think they're going to be together as a group for, for a while. I don't see that um, they're going to be disbanding or anything anytime soon. Um, but just to see them continue to be friends, which I'm sure they will. They're like brothers. Um, and then just, you know, that they go on and pursue their other passions too. For me, I really want to see a future for BTS in which they have a lasting legacy. We as fans, have seen their underdog story from the beginning and we see the genuine amazing humans that they are and the great music and message that they have. Um, and so I would love to see um, a lasting legacy for them where they're really respected in the music industry for the music that they've made because they're still fighting for that spot and people like us, we see it, ARMY sees it and we're just kind of waiting on the industry to catch up on who they are. Um, so for me, the legacy, I would love to see a lasting, respected legacy. Okay, I want to second Kayla's response. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> that's, I think that's what every army wants. So the last two questions we ask everybody that comes on. What has being a fangirl of BTS taught you? BTS has taught me to love myself and to be confident in the things that I love and enjoy. And they've also taught me to find enrichment in other parts of my life unrelated to BTS. 
to go out into nature and go hiking and enjoy the world and what it has to offer or to hang out with friends and um, you know, just being a well-rounded individual is what BTS has really taught me. Yeah, I think loving oneself is a major message that has gotten across to a lot of armies. Um, that, but also, like I was saying previously, uh, just more socially aware. They've really brought up a lot of injustices happening in the world that I was, you know, in my little small world that I just wasn't really aware of it as much as I am now and that's just because of bts and army too so i feel like i'm just much more socially aware and like i've really learned to understand what loving oneself is i would also add for myself personally that bts taught me how to fangirl um i was never like a fangirl prior to knowing bts and fangirling over them i had never even been part of a fandom before so they definitely gave me the gift of fangirling. Last question is, what has being a fangirl brought to your life? Just pure joy, <laughs> pure joy and happiness. Um, I wouldn't be able to do this podcast with Kayla. I feel like it's really deepened our friendship with each other. And it's all just because, you know, we took the the passion of fangirling and put it into content creating and I just think it's a really magical part of being a fangirl is uh, you can do so much with that, that passion and energy that you have um, for the group. And so I'd say, yeah, it's just brought nothing but joy into my life. It's just such a fun time. Is it too much to say that being a fangirl has brought almost everything that I have in my life right now to me? Um, so many things that I'm thankful for and grateful for on a day-to-day -day basis. I have because I'm a fangirl, like Bethany said, um, the podcast that we have and just the ability that we've had to deepen our friendship and our relationship over the years and become so much closer than we ever would have been has happened because of fangirling over BTS together, really at the root of it. Um, this wonderful podcast that we share and all of our iconic listeners that we get to be friends with and know. Um, I mean, our, I feel like our lives are so full because of fangirling. And um, that's like why I will forever be proud to be a fangirl. If someone listening wants to find you online, where can they find you? So you can find us on Twitter at StandingBTSPod, on Instagram, StandingBTSPodcast. We are the same thing on Facebook, StandingBTSPodcast. Um, definitely follow our socials there. Uh, we love to interact with people on social. You can also find our podcast on any platform that you listen on, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, but really wherever you listen, you can find our podcast, Standing BTS. Thank you for taking the time out to chat to me. It's been great fun getting to know a bit more about you guys as well as BTS. Well, thank you so much for having us. This was a lot of fun and it was really great chatting with you. We really love your show too. We think what you're doing by empowering fangirls is really, really awesome. Thanks so much once again to Bethany and Kayla for joining me on this week's episode. As always, links are in the description if you want to listen to their podcast stunning bts if you're needing some more fangirl content to keep you going until next week's episode head to our website thatfangirllife.com and join me next week when we're going to be chatting to ruth aka evening crickets from tiktok 
all about analyzing Harry Styles' Fine Line album in depth. Bye!